Okay, please find a comfortable and relaxed posture. Keep your back straight as much as you can and gently close your eyes. Take a few deep, long breaths and relax your whole body. From the top of your head to low of your toes. in this beautiful morning you all are here sitting in front of the Buddha as a noble friends noble community we are going to practice meditation you are going to spend peaceful and relaxed time with yourself be grateful for this moment your practice, your dedication, thinking about gratefulness, it is very powerful. Today I would like to focus more about gratitude and gratefulness. It is wonderful quality to think and practice in our daily life. <clears throat> Again, make sure to relax your body and get comfortable with your posture. And let's start our practice.
Let's begin the practice of gratitude by feeling how year after year you have cared for your own life. Now let yourself begin to acknowledge all that has supported you in this case. With gratitude, I remember the people, animals, plants, insects, creatures of the sky and sea, air and water, fire and earth, all whose joyful bless my life every day. With gratitude I remember the care and labor of a thousand generations of elders and ancestors who came before me. I offer my gratitude for the blessing of this earth I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the measure of health I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the family and friends I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the community I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the teachings and lessons I have been given. I offer my gratitude for the life I have been given. If you find one interesting phrase through my guidance, please repeat it after yourself with kind and compassion.
just as we are grateful for our blessings, so we can be grateful for the blessing of others. Now shift your practice to the cultivation of joy. Continue to breathe gently. Bring to mind someone you care about. Picture them and feel the natural joy and have for their well-being, happiness and success. With each breath, offer them your grateful. Heartfelt wishes. May my family or special friend be joyful. May their happiness increase. May they not be separated from great happiness. Same time you can develop your loving thoughts your grateful thoughts towards your loved ones, towards all the living beings. Now slowly bring your attention to your breath. Focus on your inner and outer breath and just allows your body to breathe naturally. Pay your attention on your inner and outer breath. Same time. Be grateful for your breath.
Breathe in mindfully. Breathe out mindfully. Now please bring your hands together in front of your heart. Be grateful for this moment, your practice, your dedication, also this beautiful place, teachings, and always make sure to think about gratefulness, try to apply to your life be happy what you have and same time apply this practice to your daily life be kind to yourself be kind to others may peace be with you may all the living beings be well be happy be peaceful Thank you so much. Slowly open your eyes. Okay, let's start our chanting practice. Page number four. <clears throat> let's chant together. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhan Saranang Gachami Dhamman Saranang Gachami Sangang Saranang Dutiyampi buddhan saranang gachami Dutiyampi dhamman saranang gachami Dutiyampi sanghang saranang gachami 
Tateyampe buddhan saranan Tateyampe dhamman saranan Tateyampe sanghan saranan gachami Anicca vat sankara Uppad vaya dhammeno Uppad jitva nirujjanti Te sang upasamu sukho Sabbe Satta Avera Hantu Sabbe Satta Abhyapajja Hantu Sabbe Satta Anigha Hantu Sabbe Satta Sukhi Attanang Pariharan Mano Pubbang Madamma Mano Setta Mano Manasache Paduchena Bhasativa Karotiva Chakkang Vahato Padang Mano Pubbang Madamma Mano Setta Mano Maya Manasache Pasanena Bhasati Vakaroti Tato nan sukha man veti chayab anapayini. Mind is the foremost stage. Mind is cheap. Mind made up. Suffering follows caused by them. Yes, that's the way follow. Mind is the foreign noble states. Mind is chief. Mind made are there. If it's a clear and confident mind, we believe. We believe in generosity towards others. We believe the skillful noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice. 
and this practice allows us to become open, accepting and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct way of healing division. <coughs> My wish, may I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those lost them. And a servant to all in need by means of this meritorious deed. May never join me the unwise, only the wise, until the time attain Nirvana. Okay everyone, good morning. How are you today? It is very happy to see you all and thank you so much for being here. Uh, so today uh, we have another guest speaker so this 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 months we are inviting lay people who come to temple who is practicing with us for years to share their experience with us so today we have grant and grant maybe you have met him maybe you have seen him and um, grant um, i can tell him he's one of the board member at the temple and one of the one of the kindest person that i ever met recently i told him so so, and uh, I think he has many experiences about practice, about temple. And so today he's going to talk about his experiences. So after that, if you have any question, you can ask him. <laughs> okay. You have to turn on the microphone. Please, please turn on the microphone. Not. Can everybody hear me? Does it sound like I'm coming through the microphone? Okay, good, good. All right. So, so grateful to be here this morning uh, to to talk a little bit about my practice and and my experience with with Buddhism and in the Blue Lotus Temple. Um, you know, for a long time I was kind of a, a solo Buddhist, um, just kind of trying to cobble together different practices and, uh, and bits of wisdom, you know, just enough to kind of keep me going. Um, uh, you know, so, but now it's, it's so nice to have found a Sangha and to know what that means, you know, a community of like-minded practitioners that kind of hold me accountable. Um, and, 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 and you expect to see me every Saturday or, or every couple Saturdays, um, and it's so nice to come in here and see the same people and say hi and get to know you and then have you get to know me uh, in turn. You know, and that's, and that's how we create community uh, around this practice. And, and being a solo Buddhist, um, you know, wasn't all bad. I'm somebody who can run uh, a little bit more on the, on the individual, a little bit more towards the eyes, just how my natural temperament is. Um, so I really have to search for that we. 
you know, and, 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 and I found a lot of value um, in the we over the years. Um, and this is just the next evolution of that uh, for me, uh, finding the we. And so, you know, meditation isn't something, and Buddhist practice isn't something I came to uh, because things were uh, going really well in my life. You know, I didn't just start meditating out of, like, some joyful spiritual seeking. You know, I was suffering a lot. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but my mind tends towards the negative, you know, worries about the future, it regrets the past, um, it's full of thoughts that can cause emotional responses uh, and at times fill me with inadequacy um, and feelings of separation uh, from you all. Um, and so uh, I heard the phrase some time ago that, that mindfulness is our birthright, you know, and, I, and that really just struck me as true. You know, I, it's, it's the one thing I found that can help me hold all those uncomfortable parts of myself, you know, and not, and not push them away or have a secret agenda that they're someday not going to come back, you know, because that, that's part of what makes me human, you know, it makes me me. Um, but it's, it's so great to have a practice to hold those parts and to observe them and then to investigate where they come from, you know. And, and so, you know, why did I kind of come to, to this practice and, and why was I suffering so much? You know, for me, um, just growing up in America can cause suffering, <laughs> right? You know, we're, we're in st you know it's, it's distraction. We're, we're very individualistic now. Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of kind of, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of community growing up. So, so. Uh, you know, after I got out of the military and served overseas uh, a few times, you know, I was just full of stress. Um, you know, get in the military, I had a big sense of belonging there. Um, it was really good at it. I really enjoyed doing it. You know, I really strongly identified uh, with, with being a Marine. You know, it's like you just take on this whole identity um, as part of that, part of that job. Um, and everything that identity means. Um, and then, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps and not having that sense of belonging, but having this belief about myself that, you know, I'm, I'm the baddest, I'm the toughest, I'm better than civilians. Um, just all these different things that they kind of wire into you. And then getting out and not having uh, that sense of community, that sense of belonging, and feeling very stressed out all the time, and I haven't really a way to deal with that, you know, besides, besides you know, turning to things outside of myself, which is, which is what I grasped at for a long time and clung to, you know, because, because when I reach for solutions outside of myself, especially things that are addictive in nature, you know, it's going to offer some type of temporary relief for whatever I'm feeling. You know, it's going to make it seem like, okay, I'm okay right now. And then if I do that again, the next time I suffer, I'll, I'll be okay again. And, you know, it's all I'm not. And so you just kind of keep plugging up that hole um, until it just gets so big that, you know, your ship starts to sink, basically. You know, and, and when that happens, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you can, you can kind of go down with the ship. Um, or if you're fortunate like me, you know, you're going to have people around you that are going to 
try and point that out to you. I'm not an easy person to point things out to. Okay? <laughs> I mean, so the, the people around me, it, it, it took them many times um, uh, and many boundaries and things like that for me to be able to recognize, okay, I got to figure out a different way. You know, because, because this way is not really working for me right now. And that's a hard thing to do when, you know, I had this belief about myself that, you know, I got this. I can figure anything out. You know, look, look what, look what I've done in my life. You know, to think that I can't, you know, conquer this, uh, this, this problem. Um, you know, that was just unacceptable to me. So, um, but, but, you know, I got, Things got bad enough, you know, when the suffering gets bad enough, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost like either change or die. You know, and, and, that, and that, at that time, I, I chose my life. And I didn't know what that meant necessarily. You know, I didn't know what was going to be required of me. You know, I just knew that, that there had to be another way. And I finally, finally believed that. I finally saw enough people around me trying to live a different way. And so, you know, I, uh, sometime in that journey, you know, around the first year of, of kind of cleaning myself up, I, uh, I discovered meditation. You know, I think it was like in a recovery room somewhere. They were doing like, you know, like 10 minutes of meditation, then you kind of talk about it. And I just thought that it was so far out, like that, you know, I'd do it and then I would notice I felt a little calmer. Like I couldn't really get separation between my thoughts or like totally follow along with the person's voice. Um, but I just know I felt a little calmer and I liked the people who were doing it because they were trying to, to be calmer too, you know, and they were all kind of doing it together. Um, and the person leading it, I remember they, you know, they were in the same, basically the same boat as me. And, 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 and because of that, because of that effect I saw, I saw a change in my state, Right. So after we meditate, we change our physiological state. You might notice a little relaxation. You might notice a little focused attention. You might feel more upset, right, just depending on what comes up in the meditation. Because meditation isn't necessarily to relax. It's often a byproduct of it. But really, it's just to observe what's coming up without grasping onto judgments, you know, or, or getting carried away by the story. When we do get carried away, you know, people come to me, I'm a therapist, so I talk about <clears throat> mindfulness and things every day. And they'll be like, you know, I just can't, I just can't quit thinking. And I'm like, well, yeah, me, me too. You know, it's, you're going to keep thinking. You know, the idea is just to, to be aware that you're thinking. You know, that's, that's the shift, is that awareness. You know, um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who likes more of things, not necessarily less. And so once I saw that state change, you know, that little snapshot of calmness, I was like, okay, all right, you know, I'm going to do more of this. And so I would start doing it every day, 10 minutes guided meditation. Um, but again, not having a teacher or a sangha, you know, and I was starting to access some of the teachings, the dharma. I was starting to access some of that through different books. And it was just really cool to see that you know, for over 2,000 years, these, these Buddhists had been talking about the nature of reality and the nature of the mind and doing it in a way that didn't require me to believe anything fantastical about the nature of reality. 
which I really appreciated. You know, I had some religious trauma growing up too, and so for me, I'm very sensitive to to some things. Um, and I didn't I didn't feel that feel that here. I didn't feel like um, there was any demands made of me to um, uh, to 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 take anything on faith. It was always through direct experiencing. And that's one of my favorite things about this philosophy is that um, it's not taken on, 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 on someone's word alone. You need to go out and directly experience it for yourself. <clears throat> and so, you know, eventually, you know, after about a couple years of meditating, three, three years of doing, you know, basic guided meditations and stuff, it still wasn't enough. I still was feeling, you know, really stressed out all the time and uh, really anxious um, and full of fear, honestly. And so, you know, and, and you didn't have that same uh, solution outside of myself. I didn't have that same chemical solution uh, to, my, to my problems anymore. That just wasn't an option for me. So I had to find other options, you know. And, and so I started looking for meditation retreats. I needed a more intense experience. I wanted a teacher. I wanted somebody to teach me how to meditate. You know, like I'd been reading about. People had been doing it for 20, 30 years. Okay, you know, where do I find this? And so I found uh, a 10-day silent meditation retreat, um, and I decided to attend it. These retreats happen all over the United States <clears throat> every day, and they're donation-based. So I go to this 10-day meditation retreat, and, uh, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I mean, okay, it, you know, I wasn't sitting in a chair, you know, because I, you know, I wanted to be tough. So I <laughs> sat on a cushion for 10 days, uh, meditated for like 10 to 16 hours a day, and learned the Vipassana meditation technique. And uh, I wanted to leave every day. Every day, because, you know, you sit down to, to meditate, and you're a pretty anxious individual, you know, you know what your thoughts do, guys. Come on. Some of you all know. Um, and, and so it was just thinking, 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 suffering, suffering, suffering. But I was observing it all. And I was determined to, I was determined to, you know, to stay in the fire and see what happened. After, you know, right, right around day 10, I, I finally started to quiet my mind. And uh, um, I was so grateful. I'd never experienced anything like that. And, uh, you know, when I got home from that retreat, <laughs> I was so calm. And I was meditating two hours a day when I got home. And, uh, you know, it was so pleasurable. The sensations in my body were so pleasurable. The fact that I wasn't thinking, there didn't seem to be a, a me necessarily there, the same one. It was really a far-out experience. And it was really pleasurable, and I didn't want it to end. You know, I want to cling on to those experiences. Okay, okay, I can feel this way. Okay, like, what are the things I'm doing? I need to stay feeling this way because I don't want to go back to feeling that other way. You know? And the funny thing was, guys, so when I got back from that retreat, I was asking myself, I felt so different. I was wondering, I was like, am I enlightened? And I'm not kidding. I, I thought I might be enlightened. Okay? 
I didn't necessarily, because I've done some reading about enlightenment. And I'm like, okay, I'm experiencing some of these things. There's like no thoughts there. There's no fear. And I was like testing it out. And I was like, well, I was like, you can't tell anybody this, you know. <laughs> All right. So I knew I couldn't tell anybody about it. And I was like, okay, we'll just wait to see what happens, right? Am I really enlightened? Um, I, I wasn't, okay. <laughs> I'm not enlightened, okay. Um, <laughs> But, but that's how powerful that experience was for me. Um, and, and, and one other thing, you know, about that is, is, you know, at that time, I, I still hadn't done the, uh, the therapy work on some of the issues that were causing such intense, uh, anxiety and fear symptoms. You know, I, ha- I hadn't done that, a lot of that inner work. And so I would meditate, meditate, meditate to calm myself down in the present moment. But all the things from the past that were causing the emotional dysregulation and fear, that was all still there, just nipping at my heels. And so I had to keep meditating to stay on top of that. You know, and there's a term for that. Um, and, 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 and it sounds negative, but it's not really a negative thing. It's spiritual bypassing. You know, I just, I don't, I, I, and I didn't know I was doing it at the time. And it was, it was just my path and it's what, how it needed all to unfold. Um, you know, because eventually I was able to continue doing that deeper inner work that I needed to in order to um, to feel more okay in the present moment and feel a sense of belonging with myself. <clears throat> and I think that's the uh, the hardest part. You know, is feeling comfortable in in my own skin. And and one of the things that there's a couple uh, teachings and practices that, that really helped me with that. The first one, and I'm probably not going to do this justice, but I'm going to try. I'm determined because it's so important to me. It's this Buddhist uh, teaching. Oh, let me go one more thing for the spiritual bypassing real quick, or Bonte will get mad at me. I don't think these Bontes will, but the big one might. <laughs> I, I come here because... Um, I really still think it's pleasurable to meditate for long periods of time, but I don't really do it anymore. And the reason I don't do it anymore is because I think that takes away, you know, time that I could be showing up in the world as a meditated, mindful person, you know? And I don't necessarily need that level of uh, support internally anymore to meditate for an hour or two every day. So I really like Bonte's teaching of bring your meditation out into the world. You know, sit, sit on the cushion for 10 minutes, you know, and then, and then go out there and love some people, you know, and, and be a service and be mindful while you're doing it. Um, so got to the spiritual bypassing, got to that, the meditation, and then I think I left off on... Oh, yeah, the Buddhist view of not-self. There we go. Look at me all calm up here and able to, <laughs> able to think clearly. Who would have thought? Um, the Buddhist view of not-self challenges everything that we think about ourselves. In Western psychology, we need to have a strong sense of self. I need to know who I am. I need to know all my identities. You know, I need to know what makes me me. You know, I, I need to have my agency, my free will. 
right? That's important. You know, I'm not disregarding that. I'm a therapist, so I'm not like saying, okay, we don't want to have a strong sense of self. But the Buddhist teaching of no self teaches me that I don't need to take any of those attributes, characteristics, ideas, beliefs, roles, jobs about myself too seriously. I don't want to over-identify with those things too much because they'll just cause me to suffer. Even thinking about myself, oh, I'm a joyful person. If I, if I really over-identify with the fact that I'm a joyful person, then pretty soon I'm just walking around with a fake smile plastered to my face, gaslighting everybody. You know, like, so I need to, <laughs> I need to not over-identify with those things. You know, I, I needed to challenge some of the things I thought about myself and the identities that I was walking around carrying, like wearing them like because I thought I had to wear them forever. You know, and, and, and so um, to be able to take, take down some of those things, like, you know, there, there's a marine part of Grant that was inserted into him and conditioned into him, into me. I'm not talking about myself. I'm the third person up here. I promise. My God. This isn't being recorded, is it? <laughs> um, uh you know, I, I had to um, recognize what those, those identity things were and, and, and learn to get some separation from them, all of them. You know, because, like, who am I? Like, I, I don't know even where to start with that. Who am I to you right now? Well, I'm a, I'm a fellow Buddhist practitioner. I'm a member of your sangha, you know. But even over-identifying with those things can cause me suffering. You know, what, what I am, I think is awareness. I'm, I'm attention. You know, and there's a lot of things on top of that. Um, but at its, at its base, most kind of reductionist thing, I think that's, that's a lot of what I am. You know, and then I have some type of will where I'm able to direct that attention and focus on the different things, like my breath, I practice, other people. You know, wherever, wherever I want to skillfully place it, my... Uh, my life, you know, and just that investigation, well, you know, what, what makes up me? And looking at all those different things, right? Because um, we're a little bit different all the time, you know, especially depending on what situation we're in or who we're in front of. So it's nice to be able to just kind of shift as needed. And that, that, that teaching allows me to do that. Uh, the other one that I'm going to talk about up here today is self-compassion. I talk about self-compassion so much um, because it, it has saved me from kind of a life of uh, cutting myself a million times uh, and just bleeding out, you know, just riding myself mercilessly. You know, out, getting out of the Marine Corps, there's like a, it's like an inner drill instructor inside of me, you know, and it's just, just riding me, you know, it can ride me. It's... Um, telling me, demanding things of me. It's telling me um, what I, sh you know, how I'm coming up short, what I should be doing different. But really what it's trying to do is protect me. It's trying to protect me from criticism. It's trying to protect me from, from all the things that drill instructors could have could have got me for. And, you know, and, and it, that's really what it is. A lot of these voices have, serve a protective function within us. You know, they're trying to, they're, they're, all of it has a positive intent of trying to keep us safe, you know. But I had to find 
but but I don't need to be kept safe like that necessarily anymore. I, and so I had to find another vo uh, job for that voice, you know. And, and now 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 it's it's more of an encourager, you know. And so so I find it, it doesn't need to protect me as much, but it can encourage me. And so one of the things I do though, um, when I am feeling inadequate, feeling bad about myself, um, feeling like I'm falling up short, being criticized, wh whatever it is, is by practicing self-compassion. And this is a practice, just like meditation. So that means when you start off with it, you might not be as skillful as you could become. It might feel awkward. It might feel impossible um, because we're not taught to relate to ourselves. That's a broad statement. Many of us aren't taught to relate to ourselves with love and kindness. I know I wasn't. And so there's a few steps to self-compassion. There's actually a psychologist, Dr. Kristen Neff. She's a Buddhist practitioner who studied all the Buddha's wisdoms on compassion and distilled them all down into a three-step process. And she's written two books about it. One's directed uh, for women called Fierce Self-Compassion. Because they say women, women, you know, generally need more fierce compassion and men need more tender compassion. It's kind of a, the polar opposites there. Fierce compassion, tender compassion, kind of like on two poles, like, like acceptance and change, you know? Um, the first step in this process is mindful awareness. I have to bring my mindfulness and be aware, um, that I'm not being very nice to, to myself. You know, that, that's always the first step. And, 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 you know, there's so many different ways to do it. You know, I'm, I'm a little dramatic and I'm a little bit uh, intense. And so I like to kind of just really put my hand on my heart and, you know, get in there with myself. You know, th this is a moment of suffering for you. You know, really recognizing that. Um... Recognizing it as, as a, um, a moment of suffering, a moment of inadequacy, a moment you're being hard on yourself, you know, whatever that is, just identifying what's happening, naming it, making it explicit. Um, and when I talk to myself, I read this one time, it's like some research study, so that when people talk to themselves, if they use the I word, this is like, not everybody, right, but, but, but it's not as um, effective or mm, resonant if you use the you, right? Like, you are hurting right now versus I am hurting right now. you got to try that on for yourself, okay, and see which one works better for you. You know, and, and, if, and if you take away anything from this, take away that. Is, is to go practice talking to yourself a little bit and relating to yourself in a different way. And you can also go to like selfcompassion.org. They have all the practices on there too. <laughs> yeah, isn't it wonderful we have access to that? The second step uh, is common humanity. 
you know, we, we want to recognize that we're not alone in our suffering, that there's other people who are suffering like us uh, all over the world. Like, whatever you're going through, there's, there's the, it, other people are going through it, have gone through it. You're not alone in it. It's not personal. You know, we're all in for suffering, pain, and death. I mean, it's just part of this deal of being human, you know? Um, but to really recognize that you're not alone. And the third step is self-kindness. And, and, and it's as it's known here, and I can kind of hear it in Asaji's voice, you know, treat yourself like your own best friend. You know, it's such a powerful teaching. Okay, treat myself like my own best friend. Well, <clears throat> you know, how do I give myself that self-kindness? How do I give myself that grace and support um, that, I, that I give to other people? And this one can be a little tricky wicket to try and think about ourselves like our best friend. You know, one thing that can help is to actually think of ourselves in the third person. Don't talk about yourself in the third person, though. Sound weird. But think about yourself in the third person. Huh, what would I tell my best friend if they were cutting themselves to pieces right now because of some situation that's out of their control or for some mistake they made or for, you know, not showing up how they want to or being a jerk? Like, how would I, what, what would I say to them? What would I say to them? And why, why don't I get that, too? You know, why, why don't I get that, too? And whatever the answer is, maybe you go talk to your therapist about that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that, that self-compassion practice um, is, is, can be very soothing and calming. Sometimes it's not. You know, these are just tools. You know, so sometimes it takes, you know, I have to find out what order of things I need to do. Sometimes, like, I need to do a little meditation, then self-compassion, do a little yoga, you know, open up Tyler's Empty, Empty, Happy, Happy book. Give that a little bit of a read. It's available in our bookstore. Um, you know, whatever it is I need, I, I got to be able to identify that so I can take really good care of myself because, because frankly, no, no one else is. You know, there's people who care for me and have concern for me, but at the end of the day, it's, it's my job to take care of myself. You know, Tyler says something. He's like, I try and solve my problems ahead of time so I can love you more right now. I really like that, you know, like, like I want to take care of my, my BS so, so I can connect, you know, so I can connect. And sometimes it's okay to connect over my BS too. Hey, I really need your help right now. Can you listen to me? You know, can I give you a call? You just hear me out. That's all I need. I just need some empathy. I don't need a solution, you know, um, and, and that's okay. And, and I talked a little bit about, um, you know, the practice of meditation and altering our, our nervous system state. Oh God, I gotta end. I'm getting there. Um, and 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 so when we meditate or do one of these practices, it's shifting around how we feel right now, right? And eventually, we're gonna go through the world and experience, and then we're just gonna feel kind of all out of alignment again, and um, and then go back to our spiritual practice, get back in alignment, get get back focused, present, have loving kindness in our hearts, and 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 feel and feel pretty good. The more you do these practices, the more the longer those states can last. You know, when I first used to meditate, I'd meditate, and then, like, within five minutes, I'm just, you know, 
not even five minutes, right? But, you know, but accessing those, those states of, of calm, calmness and present moment focus can last a lot longer. You know, I'm more inclined to catch the stories in my head that are producing these emotional reactions and emotional dysregulation and, uh, and challenge them. I'm more able to be nice to myself in the moment and catch what things are happening. And I'm more familiar with, with my operating system. I have an ingrained habit of trying to be present. Like sometimes I'll catch myself doing it. And I'm like, okay, you gotta let your mind wander. Cause it's like good to let your just mind wander. Like especially when I'm mowing the grass or something. It's so healthy. Um, so I gotta catch myself and say, okay, no, just let your mind go. You know, that's what you need right now. Um, and so, you know, those, those, those state changes can, can turn into trait changes. You know, I'm just convinced of that. You know, if I would have stood up here 10 minutes ago, 10 years ago, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's, that's true. That's true for sure. Um, and so, hey guys, or Sangha, um, this has just been so great to get up here and talk to you about the, you know, my, a little bit about my meditation practice, uh, the Buddhist view of not self and taking ourselves so seriously, you know, and, and kind of who, who we might be. You know, I don't know who you are. I hope you can find out. Um, and, uh, and self-compassion, you know, some of these things are, have been very impactful for me. Um, and so my hope is that if anything has caught your uh, curiosity, that you can come ask me about it afterwards or go do an investigation on your own. I don't think we have time for questions, right? Yeah, no time for questions today. So I'm going to go ahead and end here. Thank you so much. May you be well, happy, and peaceful. Okay. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Listening to Grant the whole time, I was thinking about, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with business. And uh, I find that business world fits perfectly on the cushion. And the cushion fits perfectly in the business world, but most people don't realize that. And so I was thinking back to uh, a phrase I've learned recently, but has been a core tenant of my whole career, which is follow the magic and the math will follow. And so in my business, what I've learned is that success comes from when I follow the magic, when I follow the creativity, when I follow the great idea. I don't have to worry about how to pay for it or if it'll be profitable. If you follow the magic, the math will follow. And I'm listening to Grant and uh, been able to witness him up close for a long time. And it's not just the math that will follow. When you follow the magic, I think security follows. I think compassion follows. I think uh, what other faiths would call like divine right action follows. Uh, it's very much like cause and effect. And so, uh, you know, the, these things are, are just so L to how we can thrive in this lived experience. If we, if we follow the magic, the math will follow. If we follow the practice, stability will follow. And so I think, Grant, you, you just gave such a great gift to us, uh, showing us how when we follow the magic, stability follows. I really, really appreciate it. Do we have any new people today? If you would raise your hand and introduce yourself, if you're willing. Oh, so, okay. You first. Over here first. All good. Whoever's first. Hi, Colleen. Welcome. Hi, Annette. Welcome. 
Anybody else new today? Hi, Adam. Welcome. All right. One minute more. Going once. Hi, Angela. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to go through, we have a pretty big uh, evening plan, so I'm going to just go through a few things. I was sitting on the couch but while we were meditating, and I wasn't meditating because I'm in charge of the door today. And uh, so I'm watching for people to come in, and I'm looking up at the board, and um, we don't have anything more going on than we used to, but it feels like so much more because during the pandemic we had so little going on that I just, I, I was thinking, man, I should just remind everybody of the good works that you're generosity and your practice are causing out in the world. So just a few things. Um, we've, we have for a very long time had a, a very, very, very microscopically small attended meditation from 6 to 7 a.m. every Friday morning. Um, and it's just so, and that we have Sangha members that hold space for us to show up either virtually or literally at such a really sacred early morning hour on Fridays. So just remember we're here 6 to 7 on Fridays. We have um, a, a long-standing tradition, the second Thursday of every month from 6 to 6.45, the monks do a special blessings for anybody who needs it. And so it's just a really lovely time if you've got something happening in your life that you want some extra blessing around, or maybe you have an object or a person that needs some blessing. That's a dedicated time. All of this is on the board over there and on our newsletter. Um, we are really expanding again since the pandemic back into the community and getting out of the temple and teaching community out in the world. So just a reminder that we have, um, you know, several sitting sessions a week in Wisconsin. We've got one at the UU Church in Geneva on Sundays from 6 to 7. We've got um, a couple of Saturdays a month, one from 4 to 5 in Burlington. So just stay attention, uh, pay attention to our calendar and go visit us in these other communities where if you have been here and kind of developed some stability in your practice, one of the ask, askings we have is go to our other sittings where maybe they're a little bit newer community and are looking um, for some experience, strength, and hope. We'd love for you to wander away from here into those other communities and then offer some community to those folks as well. We have our refuge recovery meetings here every, five, uh, every Wednesday at 530. Uh, we have crystal bowls from 7 to 830 on Saturday evenings this month. We have art and meditation. We have got great balls of yoga on Mondays at 530. Todd, you want to talk about tomorrow, your class? Awesome. We've got uh, yoga offerings. Jason, you do yoga on Saturday mornings. Looks like you're in the park today. So sometimes if you come here for the temple of yoga and then you see a sign on the door, go to the park because it means it was beautiful and you got to do it outside. So it wasn't raining today. Yay. Uh, we have a couple of um, interesting retreats coming up on October 8th. Uh, Bonte Grant and I are leading a retreat at Hackmatech uh, called Stolen Focus. This is going to be about um, the power of distraction in our lives and what are the practices we can put back in place in order to think deeply again. That's going to be a day retreat. Uh, we have a three-day retreat called Thriving Along Disturbed Edges, September 11th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. So look for that. 
Uh, that's going to be really interesting. We have a guest speaker flying in um, who does a lot of work around who were you, who are you, and who are you becoming. So that would be a really interesting offering. And then most importantly is tonight, our, uh, our very um, uh, important second annual international dinner and fundraiser. We are nearly sold out, but there are still a few, uh, a few tickets left if you've not gotten them yet. And it's just a super fun event. Last year was so great. The food was amazing. It is so wonderfully organized by all of our volunteers. We're so grateful. Uh, I believe, I don't know the, the stats yet, but um, I am optimistic that this year might come in double what last year did. These events are wonderful for the Sangha, but they're essential for our survival. We do a lot of good works with these funds and the, the resources that we raise, so we're so grateful when you come, when you support. There's also some really great raffle items uh, and some stuff to donate. Yes? And the, and the raffle prize is very, very cool. So, awesome. Check it out. We're all good. Thanks, everybody. I hope you all have a great Saturday. We'll see you tonight, maybe. And we need one more help. If you like to help us to set up, and please... Uh Help us to move all the chairs to downstairs if, if you like to help. Yep. So if you want to volunteer for a minute, as you leave, take your chair with you into the other room. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yes. All right. <laughs> Come for pizza, stay for wisdom. Good to go. Thanks, everybody.